0: I've been writing original worship songs for my home church for over 15 years, and I've learned three important things about songwriting in that time. Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Worship Homestead. My name is Nathan Smith. Thank you for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about songwriting and my three biggest lessons that I've learned while writing songs for over 15 years. But first, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free set of guides called the Worship Booster Pack. It has manuals and online trainings for everything from songwriting to live sound to how to arrange your band. Again, go to blueprintsounds.com or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack, all one word. All right, let's talk about songwriting and what I've learned over these last 15 years. So if I could only give you three pieces of advice, this is what I would tell any songwriter who wants to write songs for their church, and here they are. It's about the body, the soul, and the spirit. You probably know this, but if you're a Christian, you probably know that we're made in three parts. We have our spirit, we have our soul, and our body. The body is obviously the physical stuff that you can see. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, and the spirit is that candle of the Lord, like it says in Scripture. It's the light of God that he put into us at conception, and we have that same essence that God does, right? Obviously, it's, it's a different thing, but it comes from God. It comes from his heart, and so that's what our spirit is. So I'm going to talk about how to write for the spirit, write for the soul, and write for the body, but I'm actually going to reverse the order. So let's talk about the body first. The first thing that I've learned as a result of writing songs and then presenting presenting them to my home church, you know, which is a living room, and seeing which ones work and seeing which ones don't, is that I need to write in a way that engages and involves people's bodies. Here's what I mean. When I am writing a song, I want to make sure that the bass notes in my guitar are moving around to where there's a groove. There's something, even without, you know, a full drum set or a bass or a whole band, you can feel and you kind of want to move with your body. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just listen to the music of Stevie Wonder. Why is that so important? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, is that God gave us bodies and he wants us to praise him with everything. Sometimes in our Western culture, we get sort of attached to our minds a little bit too much. It's like we think we're sticks with a cup, and then the inside the cup goes our brain, and that's the part that communicates with the Lord. Well, it's not true. The Hebrews understood absolutely in their bones and in their language how important movement was. In fact, their word for life is actually a little squiggle that looks like a fish, because for them, if something was alive, it was moving like a fish. If something was dead, it was still. And so their praise to God, you know, the words that they have could include falling down, spinning, raving, being clamorously foolish, shouting, all of that was involved in praise for them. You think about David dancing before the Lord. That's the kind of praise that they exhibited. Today in Western culture, it sometimes is frowned upon that you would move that much when you praise the Lord. Because again, we have that you know idea that oh no 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 you, we need to be serious and reverent right we can't praise the Lord by being clamorously foolish. Well, it's in the Bible. Deal with it. But the second objection to movement in worship that I've heard is manipulation, right? Okay, well you know it's just it's just hype, right? If if you have people moving during worship and asking other people to move and they get their bodies going around, um, that's just that's just manipulation. Well, it can be. That's absolutely true. But you can also manipulate people with your mind. You can have doctrine that is traditional but not actually found in the Bible, and that is used to manipulate people in their minds. Either you can do it to hype them up, or you can do it to make them feel very bad about themselves. So the fact that people can be manipulated, well, people can be manipulated with just about everything. I don't really buy that. What we want is the positive aspect of what moving our bodies does in praise. And let me explain. Scientists have shown that say, at a rock concert or wherever, if you have people moving together to a beat, it actually synchronizes the crowd. It actually puts them all together in one accord, so to speak, right? You've heard that before. So you'll see in, in Western, you know in, in tribes in Africa, if the men are about to go on a hunt, what do they do? They all jump up and down together, right? They're exercising, but they're, they're jumping up and down together. They're synchronizing themselves because it's very important if you're going to be hunting something like a lion that you are synchronized, that everybody is in one accord, that they're on the same team. Well, that's the same thing in worship and praise. If I have a song that has no movement, maybe the lyrics are interesting, but the song doesn't move people at all, then I've I've taken away one of the ways in which people can agree with the song, right? It's not just, oh, yes, I'm giving verbal assent to, yes, I agree that God is good. But if I move with it, that connects me to the rest of the body, and it connects me to the Lord because with everything that I am, am everything that I am doing, not just my mind, but everything, I'm agreeing with the song. I'm agreeing with what's being said. And that's really, really powerful. The Lord says in scripture, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Well, that includes your body. So writing songs in such a way that they move people is really, really important because that's part of you. You are not apart from your body. So your body can praise the Lord, just like your mind can praise the Lord, just like your spirit can praise the Lord. We don't need to be afraid of our bodies. We need to bring them under control under God. And what better way to do that than with a song that moves us to praise Him? So that's the first one, is I want to write songs that people can agree with in their bodies by having a groove, having a rhythm, having something that people can move to. The second thing is writing something that people can agree with in their souls. And what do I mean? I started writing when I was like 17, 16, something like that, songwriting. Now I'm 36. I hope that the songs that I'm writing now are better than the songs that I was writing back then. And that's as a result of developing my soul, right? All of the things that you have to learn to write a good song, whether it's poetry Uh, pacing, um, getting rid of your cliches, saying something new, how to put a story together, having something new in verse 2 and not just rehashing verse 1. There's all of these tricks of the trade, all of these just how to be a good writer that I actually have a course on. It's called Deeper Worship Lyrics. If you want to know what all of those things are, well, go to Blueprint Sounds and buy it. Don't have time to talk about it now. But those are all ways that I've developed my soul to present the song better, not just the writing, but the singing and the guitar playing, all of that. Because if a song isn't well-written, it is distracting, right? If if there are major flaws in in your storyline, if you're jumping around, if if you're not making sense, people will be kind, but their minds will go, oh, right? It just, it goes off in one direction. Conversely, If you lead with the soul, and here's what I mean, if you try and get too clever and say, oh, look at how impressive I was in this lyric that I did. I had this little turn of phrase that was so interesting. If you allow the way in which you said something to become more important than what you said, you will also distract people. And they might even like it. They might go, oh, yeah, that was cool. Nice work. And meanwhile, they, their brain got off from what the point was, which, oh, I was gonna write a song about God and then I turned it into a song about me. No, 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 no. The whole point of developing the skills of your soul is to make that more transparent, to make your leading and to make your song more transparent so that what you're saying about God can come through and it's not tainted by you trying to show off with your soul. So that's the second one. I wanna write songs that people can connect with in their soul and not be distracted by either my soul or by the inadequacies of the song itself. But the third one is the highest calling, and that's to write a song that people can connect with in their spirits. Simply put, you can't write about what you haven't experienced in God. Let me tell you a story. So years back, I had written a song that was not that great. It was a product of my soul. I was going through a hard time. I was mad at God because I didn't like where my life was going. And, but of course, I'm still a Christian. So, you know, of course, you're supposed to write from the Bible. So I would see something in the Bible. Okay, well, I'll try and write a song about it. So I had the truth, but it had no life. And so I wrote the lyrics and it was kind of a flowery poetic thing, kind of a fake it till you make it like, well, God is still good even if I feel crummy and I presented it to the church, and we sang it a couple weeks, and it just fell flat. People just kind of watched me emote. I'm like, okay, that's interesting, and eventually I shelved it. Years later, I had another hard period in my life, but this time I cracked, and I surrendered to God, and I said, God, I know you're big, but I just want you to be close, and I wrote a song about that, and God met me. So I actually ended up taking the melody from that bad, you know, old song, jettisoned the lyrics, rewrote the lyrics, but now in this new season that I had I had finally given up and surrendered to the Lord. And guess what? The song was way better, not just in my spirit, but also in my soul. The writing itself was better. Interesting how that works. But it came from a breakthrough in my spirit where I had experienced who God was for myself. I wasn't just taking the truth from Scripture and trying to just write a song from it. It became real to me, right? It wasn't that God was good in theory. He was good to me. And when my spirit understood that, it was able to write a song that passed through my soul untainted, right? Because the first one was pretty bad. The second one was much better, not because I had become such a better songwriter, but because what I knew about God had finally clicked. That's what I mean about writing from your spirit. Those type of songs connect with other people's spirits because they know the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit. When you sing a song about God that comes from your experience where it's real it's way better than one where you are bluffing, basically. I want to give you an example from Scripture that I think illustrates this point pretty well. Talking about Paul and his letter to the Corinthians, it's this passage of Scripture that has become kind of a cornerstone for my life. It's become more and more important. It's the beginning of chapter 2, but here's the history behind it. Right before, in the book of Acts, right before Paul visits Corinth, he visits Athens, and we all know about Mars Hill. And many people put that sermon on a pedestal, you know, the sermon that, that Paul gives the Athenians in, in Mars Hill where he's talking to the Stoics and Epicureans and he's talking about this unknown God. They say, oh, isn't that amazing? Paul's using his, his knowledge of um, Greek culture and he's using his eloquence and all of his training as a Pharisee. You know, he, he's doing a really good job. It's a failure, Right. It's clear, Luke is clear in Acts, that a few people follow him and end up believing in Jesus. Paul actually, go back and read the the speech, he never actually mentions the name of Jesus. He calls him a man who was appointed by God. And so the fruit that he has in that um, arena, trying to, to go forward with his soul, trying to lead with his soul and his intellect and all of the tools that he has as a very learned man, Is not very effective. The fruit is very small. And then Paul comes to Corinth, thoroughly chastened, and he says something completely different. So let me read it. Here we are, 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 1. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. He had already tried superiority of speech, and that didn't work for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's the name of Christ coming through. He hadn't done that in Mars Hill. And this time he says, I'm going to jettison everything else that I think I know in my soul and go with the man that I know in my spirit. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. He says it again, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So there's the second part of the Trinity. We have Jesus, we have the Spirit. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And there's the third. Paul knew Jesus, right? Jesus appears to him, knocks him off his donkey, and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul knew the man, Jesus Christ. And for some reason, he didn't even name him in Athens. He led with his soul. He quoted Greek poets in his speech on Mars Hill. Not much fruit. When he gets to Corinth, Paul says, we're doing it different this time. I'm going to lead with my spirit. I'm going to talk about what I know, and that's the Trinity. I'm going to talk about the man I know, and that's Jesus Christ. And let's see what the fruit is from that. Obviously, not only was there a church in Corinth, but Paul writes two letters to the Corinthian church, which are now part of the most important book in history. That's the difference between leading with your soul and leading with your spirit. The soul's not bad, but it's not supposed to be in charge. So, again, to recap, for you to write better songs, it's three parts write for the body, make sure that you have a groove that people can actually get with, because that helps them agree with your worship song. Right for the soul. You are going to get better as a songwriter. Develop that craft. It's not merely just, oh, this is my self-expression. No, it, it's not that. You actually have to get better at storytelling and rhyme and all cadence and all of the things that are involved with writing with a good soul. And again, deeper worship lyrics, go to blueprintsounds.com and get that course if you want to. But writing with your spirit is the key. Just like Paul had to lead out of his spirit when he came to Corinth rather than leading out of his soul, that's what transforms people. That's what has eternal value. Do that. Hey, I hope that video helped. And again, if you want some free resources for you and your worship team, go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.